the business savvy singer. Hey there, and welcome to the business savvy singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment, for the finest in entertainment. Welcome to Season 2 of the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. This season, not only will we be hearing from singers, we will also be hearing from professionals providing support services to singers. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. I'm very excited today. I have a wonderful gentleman with me, and, and it's kind of interesting how, um, how we originally met, how I originally became aware of him. Uh, his name is Dr. Jeffrey Carter. He is Professor and Director of Music Direction for Musical Theater at Webster University. He is also the writer of a blog entitled dot, 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 and Sure Stars Shining that I have followed for 10 years. That is how I first became aware of Dr. Carter. Uh, I started following it because I loved the title. There was something just magical about it. And as I began reading, I discovered that I loved the blog too. And I had an opportunity to get to know about his life and about his pets and just all of the very cool things that he does. Recently, Dr. Carter has been elected Central Region Governor of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. So let's welcome Dr. Jeffrey Carter. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you? Thanks so much good for joining morning. us today. Good Thank morning. you so much. It's good to be here. I'm doing very well. Good. Uh, I have, and it's it's a warm July day right now, and the new dog is, I hope, going to be quiet during our uh, our talk this morning. Well, tell me about the new dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I'm going to make this very short. I I've been dogless for almost a year. And uh, the last one did not end well. Mm -hmm. And I really was was just sort of biding my time. And over the weekend, I read some article. I think it was in the Washington Post where, uh, oh, hello, she's saying hi, uh, where uh, where this this guy wrote something about uh, how he realized that his life was empty without a dog. And, you know, why do we do this to ourselves, knowing that they're only going to be with us for a decade or more? And uh, yeah. And uh, it just sort of flipped the switch. I was ready for a dog again. And I had been in touch with a Westie breeder back in January. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, we, we agreed that if she ever had one of her dams that she was going to retire or if she had a surrender situation mm-hmm. uh, that she would get 
hold of me. And so over the weekend, I emailed and said, I just want to remind you that I'm here. And on Monday, she called me and said, this may be the perfect timing for things. Wow. And uh, so it was an older couple that couldn't keep the dog. And oh. so uh, I, I now have Maisie, who is a purebred Westie. Uh-huh. Uh, and she is about 14 months old and still a puppy in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and full of energy and my life has changed again in the past three oh, days. That is so wonderful. I'm so happy for you. you Thank know, you so much. You do such a wonderful job with um, sharing the, the personalities of your dogs. I have enjoyed over the years that I've been following your blogs, uh, learning about your dogs and seeing the photos of them and everything. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, one of the things about the blog and, you know, and the sure stars shining that I named that blog years ago before I moved to St. Louis, only to find out that Sarah Teasdale, who is the author of that little phrase and a bunch of other phrases, is buried here in St. Louis. She grew up here in town, uh, moved to New York, of course, and, and died there. And, but her family, the, the Teasdale family, actually, she, she had a very, very distant cousin who would have been governor of Missouri back in the 70s um, and there's a there's a law firm in town that bears the, the name Teasdale as well mm-hmm. so it's an old established St. Louis family anyhow uh, the, the the blog I really try to have it's it's upbeat it's filled with hope mm-hmm. and humor and some hilarity from time to time yes. and of course anytime you see a cute dog uh, on a screen life is better <laughs> you're right absolutely it is so tell us a little bit about how your musical journey began. When did you start making music yourself? Oh boy. Um, I, I will be 61 in a few days and I've been doing music as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I, I grew up a preacher's kid in the Southern Baptist Church, and I was the kid who would run up at the end of the service, run up to watch the organist play the postlude and be fascinated with how he was moving uh, his feet and his hands at the same time. And I remember there was a, an organist at uh, at a church in Hannibal where when, when I was in elementary school, and she would finish playing and let me reach up and press the cancel button so all those pistons would go popping back into place <laughs> and uh and and at some point probably in second or third grade my parents got me a magnus chord organ if you look it up on ebay they're still out there wow. so you know two two octaves plus some little harmonica circle buttons over mm-hmm. on the left that would play a C major chord and a D minor chord and an F cool. major chord. And you could play anything in C major. And uh, that's how I got started. And by fifth grade, the talent was was apparent enough to my parents mm-hmm. and others that uh, my parents could not afford uh, a piano. They could afford monthly payments, but they couldn't afford the down payments. So my yeah. grandmother bought herself a new piano and at the same time gave a down payment on a Baldwin spinet. Oh. Uh, that, yeah. And so, and, and, you know, I, I bless her name to this day and I, and, and my parents as well, all, both of them are gone, but I've thanked them over and over um, in, in hindsight for making sure that I had piano lessons. And in eighth grade, when I really wanted to quit all this, that they said, no, you're going to stick with it. That's great. Cause um, they could see your talent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah here, here it is today. So at some oh. point voice became the primary instrument, mm-hmm. uh, although piano, I think is probably the longest through line of my life. Wow. Wow. And did you do a lot of singing in high school and choir? Oh, yeah, and yeah, kind of yeah. I, I grew up in a musical community. I was, uh, like I said, a Southern Baptist preacher's kid. I was yeah. in church three times a week, um, was singing solo. I did my first solo in, in church in fifth grade. Wow. Um, 
and and didn't start voice lessons until 10th grade. Oh. Uh, or maybe it was, no, it was, I'm sorry, it was 11th grade because it was with my high school choral director. And, uh, you know, that that was really the beginning of the voice part of it. And, yeah. you know, went to, went to college expecting to become a Southern Baptist church musician and yeah. uh, saw the light really quickly that that was maybe more limiting than what mm-hmm. I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, so, you know, I have since broadened things a lot. I ended up getting a doctorate in choral conducting Fantastic. with a master's in voice. And since that time, I've done some postdoc study uh, in CCM techniques as well. That's so, wonderful. you know, voice, choir, um, and it, it, for the past 15 years, musical theater have, have really been the, the central focuses. That's fantastic. So tell us a little about the program at Webster. Sure. Uh, Webster University is, uh, I would say it is St. Louis Fine Arts University. Many people locally, I think, uh, would prefer to see it that way as well. Mm -hmm. We have a college fine arts that includes a department of music. And in that department of music, we have 12 different possible majors. There are the typical performance degrees one would expect. There's the music ed degrees. There's a B.A., we're one of about 115 uh, private colleges in the United States that have a music composition degree. Wow. And that music composition degree has a focus in art music or in songwriting. Hmm. And then a few years ago, we realized that we had a particular expertise sort of a, uh, an amalgamation of the right place at the right time with the right forces all joined together uh, and, and the right resources all happening at the same time that allowed us to ask the National Association of Schools of Music if we could start a degree in music direction for musical theater. So Webster is the only university in the country, and I say this very, very carefully because it's a very narrow distinction. Mm-hmm. We're the only university in the country that has a Bachelor of Music degree specifically in music direction for musical theater. Mm-hmm. So you come in with the same performance chops that a, a piano performance major would have. And you end up taking voice and piano as primary instruments. And all of your performance outcomes and your literature study and those kinds of things that you would do in a Bachelor of Music degree are focused on musical theater and specifically on music direction in in musical theater. And so instead of recitals, we have students doing practicums and having to mm-hmm. actually music direct their own shows. Wow, that is yeah. fantastic. That is a, yeah, that's a very distinctive kind it, of It thing. is a very narrow distinction. Yes. And I say it very carefully because we have a couple of other um, uh, colleague schools, competitor schools, if you want to say it that way, that uh, also offer some sort of undergraduate degree uh, with a focus in music direction, but it's within a different degree, uh, or it might be an emphasis in a degree where this is very clearly, bam, there it is, That's a fabulous. Bachelor of Music in Music Direction for Musical Theater. Wow. Well, and, and I tell you what, those the, the students we've been getting uh, come from around the country, uh-huh. and they get involved so quickly, and they get involved with the Conservatory of Theater Arts students, and uh, start becoming collaborators for people and cabaret performers, and and it's really it has changed the department uh, for good in many many wow. ways. That is wonderful. So for all of the students and parents who are going to be going to college, uh, graduating in twenty twenty three. This is something to really think about. What a great degree, a great career path. Yeah, Greta, one of the one of the things, and you and I have talked about this previously, one of the things that is so difficult is when you're 16, 17, even 18 years old, trying to figure out what all this terminology means. Yeah. 
And even then, if you see, okay, this is a BA in music, but I want a bachelor of music degree, but you know, you've got a really strong private liberal arts school yeah. where the trustees have not authorized that school to do anything other than a BA degree. That doesn't mean it's any more or less of a degree. Right. So, uh, you know, you, you really have to, there, there's so many variables that come into that whole college choice kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And one of them is you've just got to take a really, really strong look at what the curriculum is. Don't yeah. get fooled by degree titles. Yeah. Take a look at what the curriculum is. And you'll find that in the catalogs and any website worth anything is going to have a four-year plan available for the students as well. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it, it, once you get things narrowed down, that campus visit becomes really critical if you have the resources to do it. And of course, that's one of the issues. Yeah. Higher education is expensive and access is not equally available that's right. uh, the way we'd like for it to be. That's right. That's right. So tell us about the size of Webster University. How large is your department? How <laughs> okay. large is the entire this You've just opened a can of worms here. So <laughs> Webster University is a worldwide institution. For about 40 years, we have been uh, keeping, establishing and keeping campuses in various countries around the world. Oh, cool. So Webster University currently is about 13,000 students. We have our own campuses in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, in Athens, Greece, in uh, uh, Geneva, in um, oh, Leiden, outside of... Uh, outside of Amsterdam. Uh, we have program, and I'm missing one or two, Accra, Ghana, uh, Vienna, Austria. And we have programs that are one-to-one -one programs or relationship programs that are more than just, yes, you can send a student occasionally. These are sort of Webster's program embedded with some other places wow. um, in, in Singapore. Um, I think we just opened a campus in Georgia, if I remember correctly. So anyway, the, the, the scope of Webster is worldwide. Wow. And part of what happens when students come to Webster is that that they have access to these other campuses. For instance, we have a student who just graduated in jazz performance. His name is Ben. Ben Winton spent the last eight weeks of his senior year at our Vienna campus. Yeah. And I just saw on Facebook yesterday where Ben said, my whole life has changed because of this experience. He's been trying, he's still in Europe. He's traveling all around and he's, he's just gigging. He's like street gigging with other jazz musicians. And it is changing his outlook on what jazz is and what collaboration is. And obviously, anytime you travel for more than a few days and anytime you get out of that bubble of other Americans traveling together, right. it so really can start to impact your worldview. Oh, so God. that's one of Webster's big calling cards. And so in the big picture, we're about 13,000 uh, on our home campus. If you were to say, I want to compare my school to that, that school around the corner in a small town in Iowa or Illinois, uh, Webster University here in St. Louis is about 2,500 students on our bricks and mortar campus, mm -hmm. daytime population in a tree-lined suburb of St. Louis. That's lovely. So that's the real comparison if you're yeah. wanting to compare it to, you know, uh, it, but you start adding in degree completion programs and right. branch campuses and then obviously um, the, the worldwide population. Yeah. It, 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 the number changes really dramatically. In the so Department fantastic. of Music, we typically run 125 to 150 students. We have a grad program that is really fairly small purposefully mm -hmm. uh, because we want to be an undergraduate teaching institution. That is so wonderful. I mean, that, you know, it sounds like the ideal campus situation. You know, where well, we, we like to think so, but yes. there's going to be hundreds of other schools that are going to say the well, same sure. thing. So, you know, yeah. I, I mean, if you are looking for a small, private, 
liberal arts with what NASM, the National Association of Schools of Music, would say is a medium-sized department of music, mm -hmm. uh, 100 to 200 majors is mm -hmm. what that, where NASM has that sweet spot, um, that is in a suburban setting in a large metropolitan area in the United States, then Webster fits that definition. We are a teaching school. We're going to know you by name. When I was department chair, I knew parents of most of my students. I even recognized their siblings when I saw them. Wow. It's that kind of yeah. place, you know, yeah. and it's very nurturing, very caring. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. And a lot of students really seek that and need that, yeah. you know, so it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Okay, well, now let's talk a little bit about NATS. The okay. National Association of Teachers of Singing. Uh, we happen to have met for the first time in person yes. last week in Chicago at the 57th uh -huh. Annual Conference, or 57th right. Nats Conference. And uh, it was so lovely to see you in person. And I would also like to add that sport coat that you were wearing was <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> I don't remember. I brought two coats with me, and I don't remember which one. Was, was that the pink, pink one or the blue one? It was pink. Okay, okay. It was just, yeah. it was fabulous. Yes. It was actually red and white pinstripe, and it reads pink, so yeah. No kidding. It's red and white pinstripe? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't notice yeah. that. Teeny little pinstripes, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. So so uh, that that conference was just it was fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, it fantastic. was so good to be together again after yes. two years of, you know, uh, of just seeing people online all the time. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the National Association of Teachers of Singing, I say it less clearly than you do, um, has been part of my life since I, when, when we did that thing of stand up if you've been a member for 10 years, mm -hmm. stay standing if you've been a member for 20 years, stay standing. And I was one of, what, maybe 20 people in the room who was still standing when they called out 30 years. Yeah. I must have started in, in Nats when I was five. I don't yeah. know, because I... <laughs> I've been a member since 1990, and and honestly, Greta, one of the things that when I when I was a very young teacher, and uh, you know, in my late 20s, but new to voice teaching, mm -hmm. one of the things I realized right away was that I needed some professional affiliation, and I needed to be around some like-minded people because mm -hmm. I didn't know as much as I thought I did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I got a couple of I, I was having some success finding my way as a teacher. I got a couple of Nats members to to support me in my quest for membership and write those supporting letters. And in 1990, I got a, a certificate saying you are now a Nats member. And except for a few years when I was teaching in Indiana at a university where I was only doing choral work and allowed my Nats membership to go on the back burner, I have been an active member of a local chapter since 1990. Wow. And recently... Uh, Foolishly, but but I'm glad I did it. Uh, put myself up as uh, one of the candidates for governor of the central region, and, and so <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. And this July, uh, basically uh, starting this this past Monday and going now for about the next four weeks, I've blocked out two hours every afternoon to start doing uh, to do Nats work because we have an annual conference to organize. Yeah. I need to put together my leadership board. We have development plans we need to be putting together. I really want to work, nurture student involvement at the college level and even at the high school level if we want to go there. Uh, really, I mean, the, the, the student piece and developing a future generation of members and leaders is, is key for me. Um, and I think that comes from the college administrator perspective. So there's a lot of work to be done, and I'm not going to have as much time to do it when school starts. So 
Right. We'll get it done, get get uh, start on some of this during the summer. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, we are so delighted and so happy to have you in that role. You know, Thank you're you. Just, you're just a personality in the organization. <laughs> people love you. You know, it's, it's fantastic. Well, you know, I just say to people all the time, I somebody said to me the other day, uh, that they just love the the way I'm handling things, and and I I look back and I said I'm just being me. I, you know, <laughs> this is all I know how to do. And whether it's the preacher's kid, and you know, I was a minister myself for a while. Whether it's that sort of pastoral outlook, mm-hmm. or the fact that I'd like things to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you know, I'm approaching this from an angle of growth. And and let me tell you. The past two years of COVID, we have not had a whole lot of celebrating to do. And so one of the keys for me uh, this year is that we're going to develop more of a spirit of celebration and of collaboration uh, here in the central region. That's great. Well, you can count on me to work with you and the Chicago chapter and everybody's very, very excited. I haven't figured out exactly where to plug you in yet, but I've got a leadership team meeting next week and your name's going to come up. Okay. I love that. That's great. So give me an idea um, of what you would say to young people coming along in the business, wanting to be educators or administrators or performers. What advice would you give them? I knew we were going to get to questions like this sooner or later, and I'm not primed for this kind of question. So I sort of shoot from the hip a little bit without much filter. Um, Stay open. Mm -hmm. Soak everything up realize that the people who are coaching you, and I'm sorry, this is going to sound old now, the adults in your life, uh, the people who are coaching you have been there and maybe have some experiences to share Mm -hmm. that you can benefit from. I'm thinking of some of my own students in particular um, who, who, it's not that they're resistant, it's just they have to try it out for themselves first. And I get that. Mm -hmm. I get that. But Trust me, it's going to work, you know. Um, I would uh, remember, no matter where you are in the climb, that what you do to others eventually gets done to you and that people have long memories. And so the, 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 the danger there is that you need to be nice to others. You need to be supportive. Yeah. Um, as somebody of faith and somebody who years ago had had this revelation um, that was actually part of Jeremiah's revelation to the Hebrew captives, um, but but this is something that stuck with me now for nearly 40, no, for over 40 years. There's a spot in Jeremiah's prophecy in the Old Testament where God is saying to Jeremiah, the false prophets are are spewing all this stuff, Jeremiah, you need to go tell them the truth. And Jeremiah goes, wah, 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 I don't want to tell them the truth. And eventually God prevails, and Jeremiah goes and tells them the truth. Mm -hmm. And the truth is this. You're captives. You need to plant gardens because you're going to be here for a while. Mm -hmm. You need to take wives because you're going to be here for a while. Mm -hmm. And you need to pray for the welfare of your captors because you're going to be here for a while. (laughs) We're all in captivity one way or another, but mm-hmm. I think my takeaway from that is we need to grow where we're planted. We need to look for the good now, not later. Mm-hmm. And we need to always be seeking what can I, how, how can I prosper in this moment? And how can I use, how, how can I be certain that I'm equipped to use this later in my life? Wow. 
such wise There you go. I just preached. Words. Sorry. Yes, you did. But <laughs> such wise words, you know, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Well, you know, it's the words of Jeremiah way back when. And I have a professor in college to thank for making sure that oh. that got through to me when I was 21 years old. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, Dr. Jeffrey Carter, thank you so much for being with us today. What a treat this is for me. I am a fan, and I've told you that. I'm just truly <laughs> a fan. And thank I'm you so, so much. Absolutely. And I thank you so much for being with us, and I look forward to the next time that we can be together face-to-face. -to -face. Soon enough. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. You too. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. Singers. Have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berkeley College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live. Classes are offered online. Visit donmixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. The Business Savvy Singer. Singer.